Good morning. I'm Pastor Jake. Happy Mother's Day. I love moms. Moms are awesome. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. If you have a mom living in your house or you have a mom who is alive, I hope that you're making today very special uh, for them. I know for me as a dad of young kids, it was different this year because the teachers didn't handle this for me, right? My kids didn't come home with like handmade crafts for mom, so hopefully you saw that coming and you got a gift. Uh, if you didn't, you still got a couple hours, all right? Something is better than nothing. Moms are awesome. They are awesome, and they're always there for us. They care about us. They're always giving us hugs when we need it. They, they change diapers. They sacrifice so much. Moms teach, and they guide. They kiss owies and dole out Band-Aids like they're going out of style. They give us dating advice whether we want it or not. They think that we're the best on the field or on the court, even when we're not. They want to hear us sing, even when we can't. Moms welcome us with open arms after we haven't texted or called or anything in, in days, weeks, months. Moms are awesome, but you don't want to make moms mad, right? I mean, they're, they're sweet until you push them to a certain point. Then it gets really scary really fast. Moms can be scary. Like, you've probably experienced this. They can get fierce when it comes to protecting their kids. Mama bear, right? You don't want to poke the mama bear. They can respond with this righteous anger, this special brand of wrath I like to call mom wrath. They can put mom wrath, release the mom wrath on your life like no one else can. If mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You do not want to make your mom happy. They're great. Moms are great. But you don't want to make them mad, right? You don't want to make them mad. Like, they don't respond well to, to talking back to them, right? They don't, they don't want you to talk back, no matter how old you are. You can be an adult. It doesn't matter. You don't talk back to mom. You don't question mom. They don't, they don't like that. Moms don't like when you leave stuff laying around, like clothes on the floor or coffee cups on a coffee table or cereal boxes on the counter. They, they don't like that. That makes them mad. That'll get you mom wrath. And I know they don't like this. They don't like when you ghost them. Moms don't like to be ghosted. They want you to text back, call back, let them know you're alive. Let them know you're on your way home. That's a big one. Moms, moms have expectations, right? I mean, they, they see what you could be, what you were created to be, and then they start to kind of expect that from you. And they, they don't like when things aren't what they're supposed to be. That's a big thing for moms. Good moms have expectations, and they don't like when you're not hitting those expectations. You get, you get mom wrath. You get righteous anger. Not to scare you, but to let you know that this thing is serious and you need to get your life in order, right? You need to figure your life out, all right? Moms are, moms are that way. They don't like when you're not what you're supposed to be. I remember when I was a kid, what would really tick my mom off was when I didn't clean my room when she told me to clean it. Now, this is a regular mom thing, right? I know that. But my mom would tell me to clean my room a bunch of times. Finally, I'd go to my room, uh, but I wouldn't clean it. I would just play or I would lay in my bed or whatever. And like two hours later, mom would yell, hey, Jake, I'm coming to your room. Better be clean. And I'd jump up and be like, uh, two hours. I did nothing. 
All right, I, I did nothing. And I knew that in a moment I was going to experience that mom wrath and it could go bad, like lives could be shortened, cops could be called, like who knows? And so I would move faster than a fat kid chasing an ice cream truck to clean up my room as fast as I could, but I couldn't actually clean it. So what would I do? I'd grab everything, clothes and toys and whatever was in my room, and I'd just start shoving it in every corner, start putting it under the bed, in the closet, in the drawers, just out of sight so I could pretend like my room was cleaned and I had done what mom asked me to do. And then she would come into the room, and initially she would look pleased. Crisis averted, right? I'm going to live to see another day. But then... Then she would use her mom eyes. You know what I'm talking about? I have dad eyes. That's a bad thing. Moms have these supernatural eyes to see everything. I mean, they have this amazing ability. Mom eyes. It's why they know, it's why they know where everything is at all times. Like when you ask them even the most obscure, about the most obscure, random stuff, they know where it is. It's because of this, this ability, this, this mom eyes thing. Like, like, where are my socks that I wore, mom, two years ago to prom? Where, where are my socks? I don't know where they are. Or where, where's my stuffed bunny? I can't find her. Or where, mom, do you know where that dress is I wore last year a lot, that blue dress I wore last summer? They engage the mom eyes, right? Like, Okay, your socks are in your closet, in the back, at the bottom, under a tennis racket, next to some cleats. Your bunny is in the playroom, next to the teddy and your Legos. Your dress is in your closet, like next to the other dresses. Mom eyes, right? It's a supernatural ability. I don't know why they haven't started using it to find people, to find terrorists. Right? But, but, but mom eyes. My, my mom had that. And so she would engage those mom eyes and she would see some sock, some edge of a toy underneath the bed or in the closet or, or whatever. And, and her face would change. She would go from sweet mom face to giving me that look like, like she's about to, I'm about to get the mom wrath, right? And she would say something like, Jake, you got something you want to tell me? When moms ask you if you have something you want to tell them, the answer is always yes. You always have something you want to tell them. They already know, right? It's a mom trick. But I was a kid. I didn't know that at that time. So I would say, no, mom, I'm cool. Everything's cool. What do you mean? And then she would calmly walk over to my closet, open the door, reveal my lame attempt at besting her. And then the mom sayings would start to come out. Jake Aaron Mills, so help me. You think I was born yesterday? You better clean this room up. Why? Because I said so. I'm about to jerk a knot in your tail. Okay, that was a little Southern, but then she'd say the one that I really didn't want to hear, right? You just wait till dad gets home. Ooh, then I knew I was in big trouble. Moms are, moms are awesome, but they have expectations, they know what we're supposed to be, what we were created to be. And my mom, my mom would get frustrated and that mom wrath would come out when I wasn't living up to that expectation or when I was pretending to be something I was not, when I was being dishonest or deceptive. That was a, a reason for her mom wrath to come on me. Not, not to hurt me, not to scare me, but to let me know that this is very, very serious 
So this is, this is Mamrath. Head over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We're in a series of messages that I've called Not for Sunday School. Um, and I've just called it that because we're, we're talking about seven passages, seven stories in the Bible uh, that you might not have heard in Sunday School. And if you did hear them, possibly you heard part of the story, not the whole thing. And so uh, maybe you heard the made-for-TV version or whatever. And so we've been talking through these. The first week we talked about the walking dead in Matthew 27. The second week we talked about uh, Gideon's faithless fleece in Judges chapter 3. Then we looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, the rest of the story in Genesis chapter 19. And then last week we looked at an awesome story, one of my favorites in all of the Bible, Lefty and the Fat King. From Judges chapter 3. If you've missed any of those, make sure you get that uh, on our website. Watch it this week or as soon as possible. Today, the title of my message is Jesus and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. I want to talk to you about a side of Jesus that maybe you didn't learn about in Sunday school. A side of Jesus that we definitely don't talk uh, about a lot in church these days. You definitely don't hear about this side of Jesus and this text we're going to go into. You don't hear about it on TV or shared on Facebook. Jesus Jesus is kind of like moms. He had had a temper, not a sinful temper. He had this righteous wrath thing going on, kind of like mom wrath. And it seemed like it was more times than not aimed at those who were pretending. Those who were not what they were supposed to be. Not what they were created to be. Look at Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 12. This is right after the triumphal entry, right after Jesus rides in on a donkey, Palm Sunday, they sing his praises. This happens in verse 12 of Mark 11. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. So Jesus is hungry. He sees a fig tree in leaf, meaning it looks like it should have figs. Okay, So it has the kind of leaves on it that figs trees have on them when they also have figs. And so from a distance, it's supposed to have fruit on it. And so he walks up, and he finds that there's no fruit. He's hungry. He wants some figs. He finds that there's no figs. Because there's not the season for figs. So no big deal, right? I mean, this is Jesus. He's just going to keep walking. Or maybe he's going to do some real Jesus stuff. Like he's going to lay his hand on the tree and say, bear figs. And figs are going to, like, all of a sudden start to grow. Or maybe he's going to launch into, like, a, a, a parable about a fig tree. Like the kingdom of heaven was like a fig tree that had no figs. I mean... All this is like very Jesus stuff that he could do. All these are options, right? But he doesn't do any of that. Jesus is hungry. He walks up to a fig tree in leaf that looks like it has figs on it, finds that it doesn't have figs, and then this, verse 14. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. What? It's like, easy, Jesus, easy. Like, did you get your coffee this morning? Like, what? did you, you need a time out? Like, what's going on? You just get up on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, the disciples have to be going like, whoa, what did he just say? 
Thomas, no dumb questions today, all right? Jesus ain't going to have it, all right? He's, in a, he's having a bad day. Let's just, let's just keep it peaceful today. Jesus, everything all right? Have you ever, have you ever seen your mom or, or your wife? And just in a moment of seeing her that morning or when you get back from work or, or whatever, you, just in that split second, you, you look at her face and you know today ain't the day, right? It is not going to go good. You are not, don't mess with mama today, right? It's going to go bad for you if you mess with mama. Like she steps on a toy, picks it up, tosses it across the room. May nobody ever get joy from you again. That, that's kind of what's happening with Jesus, it seems like. Like he is just, he's having a bad day. He flips out on this, on this fig tree that's not even supposed to have figs, really, because it's not the season. He's having a bad day, it seems like. It's about to get worse. Look at verse 15. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you have turned it into, you have made it a den of robbers. Whoa! Jesus goes from cursing a fig tree. He walks into the temple, sees what's going on, and he just flips out. I mean, he starts turning over tables and chairs. He's standing at the door. He's not letting people in. He's going, this is my father's house. You are not doing what you're supposed to do. You have made it a den of robbers. Whoa. Not exactly the Jesus that we grew up hearing about, right? And I love what the Gospel of John says about this. The, the account that John gives us of this same thing. It's in John chapter 2, starting in verse 13. It says, The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Wow! So this Jesus doesn't really fit that picture that we have growing up here in Sunday school about this Jesus who's just kind of all, always loving and never, never really gets mad and never really demands anything, no real expectations. Like this doesn't really fit that. I mean, this is shocking behavior from the child-welcoming, compassionate healer, storm-calmer, patient teacher Jesus, Right? And I always like to point out when I, when I teach on this John 2 passage, something that we kind of gloss over a lot of times. Like Jesus, Jesus walks into the temple, but this isn't, this isn't like Jesus just loses his cool. He flips out and he kind of regrets it later. He reacts in the moment. He should have done something different. This is not that. This is, this is premeditated because John says he walks into the temple, sees what's going on, experiences this righteous wrath, and then he gets a whip. Where did he get the whip? He wasn't carrying it. He didn't find a whip stashed in the corner of the temple. John says he makes a whip. 
So he takes, he sees what's going on, the injustice, how they're going against the purpose of the temple, and he walks out and he makes a whip. Now, I don't know, I don't know about making whips, right? I'm no expert, but I'm thinking this is longer, this is more than like a five-minute job, all right? And so he just is making a whip, like, I'm going to get, I'm going to go back in there. And he goes in there, and he starts swinging it around, out! Get out of my house. This is not what it's for. Get out of my house. My house, my father's house, is to be a house of prayer. And you have made it a den of robbers. This is the Christ of the Bible. He's not, he's not some, some pixie fairy floating around sprinkling pixie dust everywhere. He's not some genie in a bottle that you go to and get what you want. He's not some weak, frail little man that you can force to do what you want him to do. Jesus is not all kisses and cotton candy. This is the eternal one, the Son of God. The Christ. And in this text, he has fire in his eyes as he defends the holiness of his father's house with a whip. What's he mad about? What's he mad about? Well, the temple was not being used as a temple. Looked like a temple. There was activity. There were people there. But it wasn't actually being used as a temple. It was pretending to be something that it is not. And he walks in, and Jesus doesn't go, he doesn't see what's going on and go, oh, it's okay, everybody. It's okay, just just be better, okay? I love you, I forgive you. He doesn't do that. He He doesn't walk in and go, Ah, oh, golly gee whiz, guys. Can I, uh, you think we could do a prayer meeting on Tuesday nights in the temple? No, he doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't walk in, see this, the, the temple being defiled, this, the purpose of the temple not being followed. He doesn't walk in and see that and then go, ah, uh, I'm going to go make a committee to talk about this. He doesn't go back to the disciples and go, hey, guys, what should I do? Like, man, if I respond like I want to respond, people will get mad. These Half of the people will be mad. Half of the people will be with me. If I stand up for what is right and what is good and what I know to be true, you know, some people won't like it. And maybe, I mean, there's like religious authorities and governing authorities in the temple. And maybe we should just do what they're saying. And I'm not sure God's law or their law. Like, what, what exactly should I do? It's not, he, he's not doing that. He's not saying, disciples, let's, let's talk about that. Okay, let's just make this decision. Um, next Thursday. You know what? Let's, let's hold off till the third Monday of March. Then we'll make this decision. He's not doing that. He sees his father's house being used as a den of robbers instead of worship and prayer. What's happening there is people are just making money and taking advantage of the poor. He sees that. And so he makes a whip and takes care of business. It's like the tree, leaves but no fruit. The, the temple had action but no righteousness. It was a building masquerading as a temple. But on the inside, 
It was just a den of robbers. Look back at our text. Mark chapter 11. Look at verse 20. He curses the tree, then he flips out in the temple. Now this. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Okay, so this, is, this has gone up to another level, right? Not only did Jesus say, may no one ever eat fruit from you again, but he killed this tree. The tree withered and died because it was pretending to have fruit. It was in leaf, but it didn't actually have fruit. Jesus killed this fig tree. It withered and died. And then Jesus takes this moment to teach about faith. Look at verse 22. And Jesus answered them, have, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will, will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. So as you read through that, Jesus is teaching us about faith-filled prayer. And as you read through that, maybe you're like struggling to tie that to what's just happened with the temple and the fig tree. But it's all one thing because what Jesus is saying in this is that when he's talking to us about prayer, he's saying that we need to actually be what we are pretending to be, Right? So when we make a declaration in prayer, we need to have no doubt in our heart. Our outside needs to match our inside. And when we pray big prayers, we need to believe what we're saying because our outside needs to match our inside. And then the third one, he talks about forgiveness and he says, guys, don't, don't be praying for forgiveness. Don't be saying all these big, humble-sounding prayers when all the while you are you are." refusing to give forgiveness to anyone and everyone you can't your outside needs to match your inside here he's telling us to stop pretending stop pretending don't don't stand there and act one way when really on the inside you're something different beloved you want to make jesus mad you want to experience this righteous wrath of jesus you want the mark 11 jesus cursing fig trees and knocking over tables in the temple. All you have to do is pretend to be something you're not. That's it. Pretend to be something you're not. Pretend to bear figs when in fact you only have leaves. Pretend to be a house of prayer when in fact you're a den of robbers. What brings on the righteous wrath of Jesus Christ is when your outside is disconnected from your inside. Your actions are disconnected from your heart. Your mask covers what you really are. That's how you take Jesus off. Let's Talk about a couple takeaways from Mark chapter 11. A couple takeaways here, really quick. First, 
Christ followers bear fruit. Full stop. Christ followers bear fruit. No exceptions. Sometimes we have this view of Jesus that makes him out to be that mom that you want to have when you're five, but everybody else who's a little older understands is actually a bad mom. It's a mom who sweeps everything under the rug, a mom who who has no expectations or consequences, no reason to hold you to a higher standard. We make Jesus out to be that mom. And we we talk about how, oh, I'm so glad that we're in the New Testament times. And, And we talk about the Old Testament God, like he was so like judgy and mean but Jesus is loving and gracious and forgiving it's the same God they are the same God the Old Testament Jesus the Old Testament God and the New Testament Jesus these are the same God beloved expectations didn't didn't go out when Jesus came in like no law no expectations no need to bear fruit it's good Jesus it's good Jesus is some pixie fairy, forgiving everybody, sprinkling love dust everywhere. That's not the way it is. In fact, if anything, this this command to bear fruit has intensified with Jesus in the New Testament. I mean, it's all over the New Testament. John 4, John 15, Romans 1, Romans 6, Galatians 5, Hebrews 12. Philippians 1, Philippians 4, James chapter 3, in a bunch of other places. It's all over the New Testament. The New Testament, you and I, Christ followers, we are to bear fruit. Full stop. No exceptions. We're to bear fruit like, like obedience to the commands of Christ, the commands of God. Listen, no matter the consequences. No matter who gets mad, no matter who comes against us, we are we're to bear the fruit of obedience. We're to bear fruit like, like standing up for justice, standing up for truth, no matter what comes at us. We're to bear fruit like obedience to the command to make disciples. Have you made any disciples in the last year? Ever? We're to bear fruit like like the fruit of repentance, like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Christ followers bear fruit, full stop. Not, Not to earn God's affection, but to be what he has remade us in Christ to be. His ambassadors, his witnesses, his image bearers, in a fruitless, aimless, purposeless world. Christ's followers bear fruit. The second takeaway from Mark 11 is that Christ's followers don't fake it. Christ's followers don't fake it. Mark 11 is not just about this reminder to bear fruit, it's also a reminder to avoid the temptation to put on a show to fake it, to act like we have everything under control and we're bearing fruit and whatever when we're actually not. The temple was putting on a show, activity on the outside, but nothing on the inside that was good. The tree was putting on a show, 
had leaves that looked like it would also have figs, but it didn't have figs. It was doing nothing for God. Christ followers don't fake it. Have you ever uh, seen one of these? Of course you have. It's a, it's a pear. It's actually my favorite kind of fruit. Um, if you get it just at the right time, about this color, this one's going to be good. It tastes really good. I like, I like pears. But if you were here with me, you'd be able to tell that this isn't a real pear. It's, it's fake. It's not, it's not real. It looks real. It's pretty. It's, it's actually colored just perfectly to look delicious. None of this fruit is real. This is just a, a bowl of nothing. Holding out a promise of delicious fruit, but actually containing only plastic. I was thinking about fruit and, you know, people put bowls of fruit, fake fruit, in their house like this all the time. Why, why do they do that? Because, one, it looks really good, right? You can get the color just right. You can make it look delicious. No, no bruising, no issues there. It looks good. Secondly, we put bowls of fake fruit in our, our house because there's no upkeep involved, right? Like I have a bowl of real fruit in my house, and sometimes it looks a little janky, all right? Sometimes I, I walk by and I'm like, oh, those bananas need to be tossed. That apple looks a little weird, right? So a bowl of real fruit, it decays. It looks bad. It starts to rot. If you don't use it, if you don't eat it or plant it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rot. But a bowl of plastic fruit looks good on the outside and there's no, no need to worry about it. It just stays just like it is forever. No upkeep involved. But it's, it's fake. It offers no nourishment whatsoever. It's just, just plastic. Empty. Nothing. Christ followers, we're not, supposed to, we're not supposed to be like this bowl carrying fake fruit. It doesn't matter how good it looks. It doesn't matter how easy it is to, to keep up in our house and all of that. It, we're to have real fruit that matters. I've walked up to a bowl like this before thinking it's real. And there's such a disappointment. When you pick it up, you're like, What? <laughs> I was going to have a good apple, and I can't because this thing is made of plastic. We're to bear fruit, and we're not to fake it. We're not supposed to fake it. And listen, I understand how easy it is to fake it these days. People live, act like they live perfect lives on social media, like everything's fine, everything's good, and it's absolutely fake. I mean, there's all this pressure on moms to be perfect, so you, but you can't be perfect, so what do you do? You, you opt to fake it. You opt to act like things are perfect. It's Mother's Day. Let this be my Mother's Day present to you. You do not need to fake it. You don't need to fake it. It's worse if you do. Instead, celebrate the fruit that you are bearing and be honest where there's empty branches. 
Perfection is not expected, nor is it possible in God's eyes. So don't even try. Because when you try perfection, 100% of the time, you end up faking it. Christ followers don't fake it. Moms, you're a good mom. You don't need to fake it. You don't need to be perfect. So this is, this is not about who you can convince, right? Only you know if you're bearing fruit or you've you got a bowl full of fake lemons. Only you know whether this is real or not. So it's not about who you can convince. It's not about going and talking to your friends and like, hey, tell me about the fruit I'm bearing. And they tell you all the good things. and what it, you, can, you can fool them. But you can't fool Jesus. And a friend that will actually tell you what you need to hear is hard to find these days. So this isn't about who you can convince. This is about actually bearing real fruit. And our personal lives, they can look like we're bearing fruit, look like we have delicious fruit on our trees for Jesus. But in actuality, it's just fake. Or we just have leaves. It's not real. We can act like super Christian, super dad, super mom. Always busy with ministry stuff, but are we actually bearing any fruit? Because at the same time as we're faking it on the outside, our roots can be absolutely rotten. And upon further inspection, there is no real fruit. We're just putting on a show. We're in leaf, but there's no figs. The temple doors are open, and there's lots of activity. If you're on the outside, you're going, man, the temple's really rocking it. Look at all those people going in and out. But in reality, there's no prayer. There's no honoring of God, no righteousness on the inside. So Christ, Christ's followers bear fruit, and we don't fake it. These are sobering truths. I mean, am, I, am I really bearing fruit? Am I really doing this? John 15, Jesus says, if you're not bearing fruit, he cuts you down and, and tosses you. You can't be in Christ and not bear fruit. So these are, these are scary, sobering truths. But you know what's scarier? What's scarier is that we have gotten so good at faking it that we can fool ourselves with our own leaves. Fool ourselves with our own tricks. We can look at like the tiniest beginning of a, a fruit to form on our tree. Point to that and just totally you know, not look at the, the seas of, of fruitless branches and call it good. We can point to all the people who like to come and take shade under our tree. We can point to all the other trees that look like us, all the other temples that look like us. Doesn't matter that, that our roots are rotten, that what's on the inside of the temple is actually a den of robbers. We just look at, point to all that and call it good. We move on. We're fooled by our own leaves. Fooled our own tricks. Listen, I love moms. Moms are awesome. Happy Mother's Day. And moms are always there when we need them. They give us hugs when we need them. They, they change diapers. They, they teach and they guide. They kiss owies and dole out band-aids. They give us dating advice whether we want it or not. They, they think we're the best on the court and the field even when we're not. They want to hear us sing even when we can't. Moms are awesome, but good moms, 
Good moms have expectations. They know who we can be, who we could be, who we should be. And they start to expect that from us. And when they, they see us pretending, when there's dishonesty, when we're not meeting expectations, they can, they can give us a little mom wrath, right? Not to scare us necessarily, but to tell us, to show us how serious this is. To show us how we could be better, we could be more, we could be what we were created to be. Jesus, Jesus is similar. He has this righteous anger, this righteous wrath. Maybe not the Jesus you grew up hearing about in Sunday school, and maybe not the Jesus you hear about on the TV, but the Jesus of the Bible? Now, he has expectations. He's not without expectations. He, he expects his followers to bear fruit and, and not to fake it, right? The Jesus of the Bible. And he, he's more like moms. Not allowing us to, to just skate by. And not fulfill our potential. And, and if anybody knows what you're supposed to do, who you're supposed to be, it's Jesus. You're supposed to be his witness, his ambassador, his image bearer in this fruitless, aimless, purposeless world. Let, let me end this way. This is, this is how I want to end. I, I mean, we, don't know, we don't know if we have tomorrow. If, it, if this COVID-19 thing has showed us anything, is that we don't even know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? We may live, we may die, we may be in a global pandemic, we may not, we may have a job, we may not. Jesus may return, and oh, I pray he returns soon. But when Jesus returns, or when you meet him face to face, if you were to die, what, what is he going to find upon further inspection? Leaves only, or will there be fruit as well? A building masquerading as a temple, or will it be a house of prayer on the inside as well? What's he going to find? And let me be clear. You, just like you can't make yourself, your body, grow lemons on the end of your fingertips. So you cannot bear spiritual fruit by a sheer act of your will. This whole process of bearing fruit, it's about, it's about your roots. We're talking about your core, your heart needing to be transformed. This is a process that God and God alone owns. And so you can't, we're not talking about checking off a religious activity off of a religious list. We're talking about your core, your roots, actually being transformed by Jesus Christ. This is his job, not, not in order to get him to love you, but because he already does. Not, not in order to get him to, to show affection towards you, but because he already has. No more than a tree bears fruit in spite of its roots. No, trees bear fruit because of their roots. And so the first fruit that a Christ follower bears is repentance. Repentance just means that we, we realize our sin. Our hearts and minds are open to the truth of the gospel, the good news that Jesus has made a way. And in response to that, 
we move towards Jesus and away from sin. It's a process that God and God alone owns. And then we bear that fruit of repentance over and over and over as a Christ follower. And so I want to invite you to go forth and bear fruit for Jesus. May today be the day that you begin bearing, you stop faking it, and you begin bearing real fruit from Je for Jesus in our world. No matter where you're joining us from or what your situation is there, I just want to invite you into a, a quiet moment of prayer as much as you are able. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, God, for your word that is timeless and timely. May we accept you, Jesus, for who you are. May we accept you not for who we want you to be. But may we accept the truth of Scripture as is. Understanding that you, God, have expectations and you want us to bear fruit. Understanding that pretending and faking is, is not what you're after. So I just pray that those masks would come off and that faking would cease to happen. And God, we would be honest about fruitless branches in our lives, honest about making ourselves look like a temple on the outside when in reality we're nothing close to it on the inside. Convict us, Jesus. Help us to be honest. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us to be honest about where we are as far as bearing fruit goes. As we continue in an attitude of prayer, maybe you have never given your life to Jesus. I want to invite you to make that decision right now. Bear that first fruit of repentance today. Bear that first lasting fruit of repentance. Turn from sin. Run towards God. You don't need a pastor or anybody there. You just say a prayer. Just pray to God right now. God, I need you to transform me. My roots are rotten. My core is messed up. My heart's messed up. I can't change it. I need you to ask him to transform you. Submit and surrender your life to Jesus Christ and follow him from this day forward, bearing fruit as he calls you to. You can do that right in your home. Tell somebody right around you. We've got something for you to click. If you're on our website watching, you can click uh, that you want to commit your life to Jesus right now. You can see that. There's live prayer. We'd love to pray for you. If you're watching on some other in some other way, just reach out to us and let us know that you want to give your life to Jesus. Tell people who are with you make a decision for Christ. Bear that first fruit of repentance today. And if you are a Christ follower who's looking at a bunch of fruitless branches, rotten fruit, rotten roots, a lot of faking, you also repent. Bear that fruit of repentance today. Ask God for forgiveness. Stop faking it. Be honest with somebody, with everybody, and start to live for Jesus for real. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for those who would make decisions for you. I pray, God, that you would put a hedge of protection around these seeds that we've planted. May they find good fruit, or may they find good soil and bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, make sure you talk this over with your life group. If you're not in a life group, jump in one. There'll be a link in the comments so you can reach out and ask us. We've got Zoom life groups going on right now and we would love for you to jump in there. As always, my challenge to you is to leave here, to close out your browser, you know, to, to close your computer, to turn off the TV, to leave here, not dismissed, but sent. Go be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. God bless. Let's sing one last song together.